Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.49 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's the eighth day of the third month of 2023. This is episode 685 of Bitcoin and a few words about upcoming daylight savings time. It's stupid. Why are we still doing this? Uh, there, there may have been very good reasons to instill this whole weird thing whenever it is that we did. And I've heard multiple stories as to why it was done. Why would you, you know, why would you? Increase, you know, like set the clocks forward like an hour in daylight savings time. It's just bizarre. But still, some of the reasons that I've heard is, well, we needed to save on electricity because of the war effort. Which one? Because I thought, you know, when, when I start looking back through the history of daylight saving time, I get all manner of different kinds of reasons and I, I've gotten like a couple, like when exactly did it start? And, you know, there's the Wikipedia answer and then there's like other people's answers. And it just doesn't seem to be very clear. And states apparently adopted it at different times. I, it's just, you know, and then we have Arizona who just doesn't buy into this shit one bit. <laughs> I mean, and thank God for states like Arizona who are just saying, nope. Nope, we're just, I'm not going to, not going to empower this, this stupid thing. But, you know, that now it's being used as a scapegoat for all the people that are having heart attacks. You know, it can't, it couldn't be the giant, you know, 800 pound gorilla in the room now, could it? No, no, it's got to be, you know, daylight savings time. That, that's, that's what's, that's, what's going to do it. A lot of people are going to die of heart attacks and whatnot. And it's just, it's all insane, but you know, resist where you can. And I'm not sure if you really can, because just saying that you're, you're not going to, you know, adhere to this and you live in a state that does, you're probably going to have a bad time. So I don't know. I don't know how to get rid of it. I, there keep, bills and you know keep coming up to congress about getting getting rid of it and they just seem to never go anywhere i don't know why but be that as it may we've got of course better fish to fry let's start with this one bitcoin climbs above 22,000 as powell softens tone on day two of congressional testimony oh oh so now he's getting soft the, the, nobody can make up their minds out now. Coindesk, and it's being written by Stephen Alfer. United States Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell stressed that the central bank has yet to make a decision on the size of the rate hike when the Federal Open Market Committee meets later in March. Testifying before the House Financial Services Committee for his semi-annual monetary policy report on Wednesday, 
Powell made a notable change from Tuesday's Senate testimony in his prepared remarks. Quote, I stress that no decision has been made on this, Powell added today when talking about the pace of rate hikes. He's talking about the Federal Reserve rate, funds rate, okay? Markets on Tuesday took Powell's prepared remarks as suggesting that the Fed will likely hike rates 50 bips at its March meeting instead of the previously assumed 25. Bitcoin and stocks both saw sizable declines and the dollar a powerful rally following the testimony. The insertion of the no decision wording this morning could be an attempt to soothe those hawkish fears. Bitcoin bounced more than $200 on the news, now back above $22,000 at $22,200 and the S&P 500 moved from a modest loss to a modest gain. The dollar is giving back some of Monday's sizable advance. Powell reminded that there's a number of important economic reports between now and the FOMAX meeting, uh, March the 21st through the 22nd. This Friday's February payrolls report and next week's inflation figures being among them. And the incoming data will play an important role in guiding the rate decision. Well, of course it will. Now here's, let's see if I can find this again. Uh, come on, Nostagram. Come on, baby. You can do it. It's not doing it. Damn it. Hold on. I, I had a, I had a, of course I had this prepared and you know, it just decided to just shit the bed for me. So I'm going to have to do this a different way. Let me go over to, <clears throat> to this one. And what does it do to do? He did. Hold on. I know. Bear with me guys. Bear with me. Bear with me. Bear with me. Bear with me. Do, 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 do. Cause it's actually kind of important. No. Ah, here it is. This is from Humble Bitcoiner. Uh, of course, on Noster, because I can't use Twitter. And I actually, I don't want to use Twitter anymore. I've, I've, I've completely broken my habit. I've finally gone through all the withdrawals, the withdrawals and the syndromes and the, the shakes and the headaches and all that kind of stuff. I'm completely broken from my addiction to Twitter. And now I'm fully addicted to the addiction that is Noster. But Humble Bitcoiner had this uh, had this note that he put out earlier. It said, Fed Chair Jerome Powell says, no one should assume that the Federal Reserve can protect the economy in a debt default. Luckily, I have some cold storage. Okay, so I come back with, did he actually say that shit out loud? And the response is, is that he did. So... This begs the question of announcing to your enemy or rather to your opponent that you're almost out of ammunition. And <laughs> all I can think of is that maybe Jerome Powell needs to go back and read, uh, read Sun Tzu a little bit more because that will, that will let him know that what he's just done is essentially, essentially um, screw up and, and telegraph that they're almost out of ammunition. At least that's, that's the way that I'm thinking about it. You know, may, may be completely wrong. Mm, but maybe maybe the SEC is, is actually more wrong than me. We'll find out. Bitcoin Magazine, BTC Casey. Judges consider Grayscale's arguments in Bitcoin ETF hearing against the SEC. <coughs> Grayscale Investments, which is currently under fire, under real fire, the entire digital currency group, the DCG, that is Barry Silbert's little baby, 
that whole thing is on fire and Grayscale Trust is is among them, amongst them. So Grayscale Investments LLC participated in oral arguments on Tuesday in a United States Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit in relation to its attempts to get its popular Grayscale Bitcoin Trust converted to a spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund or ETF. In these oral arguments, the three presiding judges seemingly sided with Grayscale in their positioning. The United States Securities and Exchange Commission has repeatedly denied previous attempts at the introduction of a spot Bitcoin ETF, and this has led Grayscale to sue the SEC, alleging that the decisions have been arbitrary and inconsistent with the commission's decision to approve Bitcoin futures ETFs. In today's arguments, presiding judges, Chief Judge Sri Srinivasan and Judge Naomi Rao continually prodded the SEC senior counsel Emily Paris about the SEC's differentiation between a futures ETF and a spot Bitcoin ETF. Quote, the prices move together 99.9% of the time, so where's the gap in the commission's view? Asked Judge Rao. The SEC response was that the correlation does not equal causation. (laughs) Cop out. With its lawyers explaining that the key empirical question is whether fraud and manipulation in the spot market affects futures in the same way so that they can rely on the surveillance of the futures market. And they're talking about the surveillance of the price. Without that missing empirical piece, the SEC counsel said that the agency can't be sure that it can rely on CME futures surveillance to approve a spot ETF. Questioning led to the pontification that the SEC has not provided sufficient evidence to explain their decision-making with Judge Rao telling Paris, quote, the SEC has not offered any explanation that the petitioners are wrong. The full record of the questioning can be listened to here. And then there is of course a link to that. Now, Grayscale is being sued, you know, by Alameda Research and as part of the whole FTX collapse. And as I brought to you yesterday, it appears that they are going after the liquidation, either partial or fully. I can't, I still can't get a a good square read on that of the Bitcoin Grayscale Trust, as well as the, the Ethereum Grayscale Trust. And if they can break those trusts by saying that they're being, I don't know, fiduciarily incompetent or whatever the argument is, um, and they break those trusts, you're going to see a, a price plummet in Bitcoin because people are going to, there's going to be liquidations. Bitcoin's going to be available, blah, blah, blah. I mean, who knows exactly how this happens, but it ain't exactly going to bolster the price of Bitcoin. Let's just be very honest about that. And then now all of a sudden, you got two judges on a panel of three that are kind of looking at the SEC that they may have screwed this all up, that they may have very flawed reasoning in keeping the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust from converting into a spot Bitcoin ETF, which is what Grayscale has for years said that they wanted to do. And they have, I'm, Say what you want about Barry Silbert and Grayscale and all that. I am not a fan, but I do appreciate proof of work where I see it. These guys have time and again tried to get the spot Bitcoin ETF going and and a full conversion of the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust into a spot ETF. 
So it's not like that they're just, it's not like they're LARPing, right? It's not like they're just pretending that they want to do this. They've tried and they've tried and they've tried. And every single time they try, they get denied by the SEC. Now it looks like judges of the appellate court in D.C. are getting a little pissed off. This is, if I use the term correctly, and I'm not sure, a bulwark against Grayscale's trusts being liquefied by that, that Alameda research lawsuit that was filed. Now that's going to, the tension here is going to be really weird because you've got this lawsuit that's going on between Alameda, Sue and Grayscale, and they want to liquefy either, from what I understand, either partial or fully the Bitcoin Grayscale Trust as well as Ethereum. But Grayscale's lawyers are doing a good job in the appellate court in D.C. So there's going to be, it's like the judges it's possible that if this goes far enough in court, that if the Alameda lawsuit wins, that the judges in DC may say, hold on there, we're not done. And since your claim on this thing is very much a part of what we're doing here, you ain't doing shit. Now, will that happen? I don't know. Can it happen? I think it can, but I'm not a lawyer, so again, I don't know. Take everything I say with a grain of salt, but it is going to be interesting that I am assured of. Now, a special thanks to every single person who has not not only helped me get back into the top 10 charts on fountain.fm, but continuing to move me up the charts from number nine to number five. No, seriously, dude. I am behind Linux Unplugged, Podcasting 2.0, No Agenda, and rabbit hole recap. I'm sitting currently on top of Bitcoin Audible, Curry and the Keeper, Behind the Schemes, Citadel Dispatch, and TFTC. I don't care about beating. It's not about winning. It's not about, oh, I'm better than any of these people. What it's about is the fact that I'm included in this group of podcasts. Holy shit. That's just nothing but a win. It doesn't matter where, as long as I'm like next to the podcast that I find to be the most interesting podcast, the ones that I actually listen to, I listen to Podcasting 2.0 and No Agenda and Rabbit Hole Recap and Bitcoin Audible. And uh, I don't listen to Behind the Schemes, although I probably should. Citadel Dispatch, TFTC, Bit by Bit. I've got all of those in my podcasting app, which I'm using Fountain's. Yeah, the Fountain Podcasting 2.0 enabled app to do that. And so should you. You really should. That way you can give me a boostagram like Nick underscore dose with his boostagram from show 684. Yesterday, he says with 369 sats, cheers. California Danner. Well, I think it's, I think that's what it is. It's CA underscore Danner with 7,721 Satoshis says, doing my part to keep you in the top 10. Thank you. Plus, thanks. I'm on Noster and having fun zapping and receiving zaps for posting my art. I'm telling you, man, this is the way, this is the way we're going to start rolling. This is going to get interesting. And here's the most interesting part of all. The fact that Noster, as a protocol, that the clients designed to interact with that protocol went the Twitter clone route is kind, is, is not telling. It's really interesting because 
Nostra can do so much more. It can do so much more. I'm going to repeat it one more time. It can do so much more. The way that, that the developers went about developing their clients, they were informed by the world around them. And what was the most pressing need? The need to not get kicked off and booted off and closed out and deplatformed from all the centralized bullshit that we see. So what was, what was that? Social media. Is Nostra a social media protocol? In my opinion, no, it is not. It can be leveraged to do so, but it's not. It's a, commun it's a network communications protocol, right? Understand that we don't have to build social media with Nostra. We can build stores. Sure, we got BTC Pay Server and all this kind of stuff. There's, I'm just saying, it's time to start spreading the wings. And I wish I could. I wish I was a developer. I wish I knew how to, you know, do all this stuff. But I don't. It's you guys out there that know how to do it. If you were to use Nostra as a network communications protocol and you were to explicitly tell yourself that you're not going to jack around with social media clones, what would you develop? What would you come up with? What would be the problem that a network communications protocol that's based on ECS or, 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 or ecliptic, uh, ecliptic curve uh, key generation, what would you build? Tell me in a boostagram, continuing on with Fatoshi, 2212 sats, and he's going to dig in my skin a little bit, but I love this. Okay, you don't want to hear it, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. The pronoun thing. Yeah, you said he because he is clearly a man, and obviously that's true, but don't forget they, them feels just as correct as you do. In my opinion, in reality, this is a non issue. If you hate the whole pronoun thing, I think you need to remember that that hatred has been manufactured. And he's not lying here. I think this issue is a psyops right out of the Russian playbook, exploiting the vulnerabilities of freedom, love. Fatoshi's not wrong. As much as I can like real, I just, and I can't, you know, I can't help it. I kind of seethe when somebody announces their pronouns on their bio. But Fatoshi is reminding me that, oh, I got PSYOP too. I got PSYOPed as well as everybody else that thinks that they love their pronouns. They want to put them in their bio. They want to make sure that, that you call it whatever they, that person actually wants you to call them. Fatoshi's reminding me to take a step back and think about my reaction. I've never thought about my reaction as also being manufactured in a PSYOP. A so it seems to me that the greatest of PSYOPs do not work on one side of the, of the story. The greatest of PSYOPs, now that I'm reading what Fatoshi is trying to teach me, is that the PSYOP actually, the, the most effective ones work on both sides of the equation. Not only do they make people go, wow, I really need to, to really care about pronouns. And here the other side is, wow, I really need to react to these pronouns. <laughs> Thank you, Fatoshi, for the lesson. In fact, I should be paying you sats because you make a very good point. Blizza with 420 boost, just says boost. Nick underscore dose with another 169 
Oh, I've already read that one. That is actually from show 683. So we are done with Boostergrams. Now, back to the news. White House is aware of Silvergate situation, spokeswoman says. Okay, uh, my browser tab crapped out on me in yesterday's show talking about this. So I thought I'd spin it back up today in case you were wondering exactly what's going on. Let's find out. Nicholas Day, Coindesk. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, God, Claude Van Damme, it said, the Biden administration is monitoring Silvergate Bank's situation, comparing it with those of other crypto companies and saying that President Joe Biden has called on Congress to take action in this area. During her White House press briefing on Monday, Jean-Pierre said she couldn't speak to the Silvergate situation specifically, but noted that a number of crypto companies have experienced quote, significant issues in recent weeks and pointed to statements from federal bank regulators warning of the risk cryptocurrencies could pose to banks and other financial institutions. Quote, in recent weeks, banking regulators have released guidelines on how banks should protect themselves from risks associated with crypto. And as you know, this is a president that has repeatedly called on Congress to take action to protect everyday Americans from the risk posted by digital assets. And he will continue to do so. Uh, shouldn't be posted, Coindesk. Risk posed. Please Get your editorial staff in line so I don't look like a complete idiot. Silvergate announced last Friday that it would shutter its Silvergate Exchange Network, a 24-7 internal settlement tool the bank's customers could use to conduct transactions between each other on weekends or times when normal banking services may be closed. The move came days after Silvergate announced that it would delay filing its annual report and said that it may have bank, uh, may have bank regulator Department of Justice and other investigations to address and that its ability to be a going concern over the next 12 months may be in doubt. Ooh, that is one choppy sentence. The bank's stock plummeted as a result, falling 58% in a single day before largely stabilizing. A number of the bank's most prominent crypto clients have announced that they would suspend their business with Silvergate. Quote, I won't speak to this particular company as we have not on other cryptocurrency companies, but, but, but we're going to continue monitoring reports. And currently we are aware of the situation Jean-Pierre said on Monday. All right, shots fired. I cannot illustrate enough the fact that the White House is personally taking an interest in Silvergate. WTF, man. I mean, how, yeah, you get what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, it's not like the DOJ's doing it. I mean, we'd go, well, duh. It's not like, you know, re federal regulators like the SEC would be doing this, like monitoring the situation. We are, we are aware of the situation and all that kind of stuff. Of course, we'd be saying, duh, but the White House, really? How important has cryptocurrency become? I thought it was, a, I thought it was just uh, something that we, we should sneeze off. No, 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 no. First they laugh at you, then they fight you, and then you win. We're going to win, so that means that we're firmly planted in number two. We're, we're, we're being fought, and it's gonna get worse before it gets any, anywhere close to better. But we have a new partnership to accelerate the adoption of Bitcoin. Bitcoin Magazine, BTC Casey, 
River and Bitcoin Magazine announced Lightning Partnership to accelerate the adoption of Bitcoin. Bitcoin technology company River Financial Incorporated has partnered with Bitcoin Magazine to provide the abilities, sorry, the users with the ability to sign up with River and purchase Bitcoin through the Bitcoin Magazine app. Users were already able to earn free sats by reading articles on the app. I didn't know this. My God. Anyway, which could be deposited to a River wallet or another wallet of the user's choice through the Lightning Network. Quote, this partnership provides the on-ramp for millions of people to not only buy Bitcoin, but actually earn it by learning, said Bitcoin Magazine CEO David Bailey. River CEO Alex Leishman also commented on the partnership, stating, quote, River shares this mission and serves as a gateway for people who want to learn about and invest in Bitcoin. The integration is now live on the Bitcoin Magazine app with BTC purchases and lightning transfers available on River via the River app or at river.com, the release added. The partnership between River Financial and Bitcoin Magazine is focused on educating individuals about Bitcoin and providing them with the opportunity to invest in the digital asset in a secure and efficient manner. Quote, while the broader crypto industry has suffered from bad actors in recent months, there are still innovative mission-focused companies like River and Bitcoin Magazine that are working to cultivate a more fair and just financial system. The Lightning Network has been gaining traction as a fast and cheap way to transfer Bitcoin. And this partnership between River Financial and Bitcoin Magazine is yet another example of how it can benefit users with the ability to earn free sats through reading articles on the app. And now the ability to easily purchase Bitcoin through River, users have much easier access to opportunities to learn about and invest in Bitcoin. <coughs> All right, well, how can you game that? I mean, can you just simply scroll through like, you know, I don't know, you're sitting at a stoplight and you scroll through yet another B, uh, Bitcoin magazine article and boom, 20 sats drops on you. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I like, I like this, the situation of companies kind of hooking up with each other and, you know, I don't know, just like trying experimenting. I don't know. I, 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 I kind of view this as an experimentation and that's, I, I think we get, a little over our skis when we start thinking about that one company partnering up, you know, to do something like this with another company, like it's going to be here forever, or it's the absolute best idea that anybody's ever thought of. No, this could go away. And it's kind of exciting, but it, the, the most part about it is that it's exciting because a media, com a media company in the Bitcoin space is hooking up with a financial you know, financial company in the Bitcoin space and River Financial is a solid Bitcoin company, right? Duh, you know, but, but I mean, are we going to see like some of this legacy, you know, media advertiser bullshit that, that we see in other parts of the world? Is that going to start happening here? I really hope not. I really do. You know, it's like, it's not that I want to push back on, you know, I like Bitcoin magazine and hell, I like River Financial. But it, they, situations like this deserve a little bit of questioning, don't they? Is River Financial going to be able to influence Bitcoin Magazine as to what they run? How, how is River Financial going to be portrayed, especially if they get into any kind of trouble whatsoever? How will they be portrayed in Bitcoin Magazine if there is 
this advertising relationship going on between them because essentially any relationship between a media and like any other company that's not media is basically advertising. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying we've seen where it goes and we've seen where it's been. Is there any way we can guard against going there again? You see what I'm getting at? Just think about that for a while. I still like the idea but we got to be careful. Environmental impact of Bitcoin mining deserves the spotlight. According to U.S. Senator Markey, oh joy, Alice Key is writing it for Decrypt. This dude's hair. <laughs> he looks like Leopold. If you've ever watched the old, uh, uh, oh God, uh, Looney Tunes cartoons when uh, uh, Bugs Bunny is playing a conductor at an orchestra, he's he's pretending to be Leopold and this guy looks exactly like the old conductor that was named Leopold. Very famous at the time, but that cartoon was actually drawn in the 1940s. So he's long gone and you haven't heard about him ever. Anyway, U.S. senators are again taking a closer look at Bitcoin mining. Senator Ed Markey, a Democrat from Massachusetts, chaired a session on the Committee on Environment and Public Works yesterday, focusing on the energy usage of mining. The mining industry, Markey said, deserves the spotlight. Markey is the sponsor of a bill pushing for more transparency from miners regarding their environmental impact. Quote, it has grown explosively in the United States over the past two years. It is extremely energy intensive and we've seen it harm the general public while enabling the creation of heavily concentrated wealth in our country. He doesn't understand how this shit works, dude. He said that the full extent of miners impact was not known which is why his bill would require companies to disclose even more information about their operations to the environmental regulator. Quote, we need a federal approach just so we have the information out there as to what the climate impacts are, he said in his closing statement. And here is a tweet from Senator Ed Markey. When one year of U.S. Bitcoin mining creates as many carbon emissions as 7.5 million gas-powered cars, we have a problem. Today's hearing made that even clearer. The crypto industry is growing, but so is the fight for climate justice. We will hold these companies accountable. And here banging on the banging on his desk right now. Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. No, no. You know what is going to happen is that those idiots over at Greenpeace are going to latch onto this like a calf suckling on his mother's teeth. They are going to make good friends with Senator Ed Markey immediately. I guarantee you Greenpeace is already on the phone. And why am I saying Greenpeace? Because those are the idiots with the change the code grassroots, supposedly grassroots movement that is being funded from what I understand by Ripple. They want to change the Bitcoin code. They want to make it to where we're going to be proof of stake because it's environmentally friendly. And yet they have not offered a single line of code change by forking the GitHub repository and doing the work. They literally don't want to work. They don't want anybody else to work. They apparently hate work, whether it's Bitcoin mining proof of work or sitting your ass down in front of a goddamn computer and writing code kind of work. They have produced not a single line of changed code for Bitcoin. And their whole thing is we've got to change the code. That tells me instantly that they don't give a shit. It's not about the code. It's about the fact that it's sovereign. Because with proof of stake, sovereignty, 
goes out the window. I guarantee you there's going to be discussions between Ed Markey, the Change the Code people, and Greenpeace USA, which is the people specifically that are helping to fund the Change the Code alongside of Ripple. Anyway, it's all bullshit, and so are the numbers. Let's run them. CNBC, Futures and Commodities, West Texas Intermediate is down 1.5%, $76.41. Brent North Sea down 1.1% to 82 bucks and 37 centurinos. Natural gas is down a full 5%. You know, natural gas just doing its thing, $2.55 per thousand cubic feet. And gasoline, 0.89% to the downside, $2.67 a gallon. Uh, shiny metal rocks doing better than yesterday, but gold is still losing over half a point to $1,820 even. Silver is down. No, silver, sorry, silver is up a half point to $20.08. Platinum is up 0.61%. Copper up 1.72%. Palladium is up, oh, uh, I don't know, a fifth of a point or so. And most of the ag is down today, except for soybean, the only winner at all, 0.53% to the upside. Biggest loser today is going to be coffee, 3.18% to the downside. Dow is down a third of a point. S&P is down scant, 0.02%. NASDAQ winning by a third of a point, and S&P mini uh, is sideways, 0.08%. Real money is also struggling, $22,147.59. That's after 559,000 BTC have changed hands in the last 24 hours with an average transaction value that is still low at 1.77 BTC. And again, a median transaction value that is still low at 0.012 BTC or 275 bucks. Block times are better today, nine minutes and 40 seconds. I got a 0.16 BTC fee on a per block basis. And I've got uh, total fees in the last 24 hours of 23.8 BTC with an 11.7% rise in hash rate. We're up to 339.35 exahashes per second. Spilling that dirty carbon dioxide. Oh yeah, Dogecoin. Your shitcoin indicator is 7.3 United States pennies. The market cap of $426.9 billion. That is 3.5% of gold's entire market cap. And if you so choose, you may purchase with your one Bitcoin, 12.2 ounces of shiny metal rocks. There are 19,311,744.26 BTC in circulation. There, uh, and, oh, wait, hold well, on. Uh, man, I messed that all up. 5,393.42 BTC are locked in the Lightning Network, valued at 119.2 million, being run over 16,268 nodes sporting 76,011 public payment channels, or at least the channels that we can see. We have no idea how many private payment channels there are, ladies and gentlemen. Why? Because they're private. 67.8% uh, of all of the public shit that we can see is being run over Tor, and it's associated 11,533 nodes. There are a measly, oh, this is just weird. And again, this is Clark Moody's dashboard. Uh, which always gives really good, uh, a good sensible dashboard of quality information. But this one's freaking me out. There are 8,911 transactions 
waiting on 65 blocks to clear. Let me go to mempool dot space so that we can see what it says because that's just weird and it's wrong because there's 96 blocks waiting. Wow. Oh, it's an ordin. It's I think we've got ourselves an ordinal storm because I'm seeing like the last blocks that went through like two megabytes, 1.4 megabyte, 2.3 megabyte, 1.57 megabyte. The upcoming blocks are not bad. Two megabyte, 2.87, and and then it's 3.84 megabytes, 3.89, 3.92. This is a signal to me, and I may be wrong, but this is a signal to me that a whole batch of ordinals are being sent through the system. Thank you, shitcoiners, for screwing everything up yet again, but it is what it is. We have a, oh, 2.87 Satoshi per V-byte minimum fee rate at the moment, and I'm going to trust that number. I'll add a sat to it and just say it's probably more like three or four for a minimum. Estimated difficulty change is still at a 3.5 targeted for March the 10th, 2023. That's the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. We're going to start this one off with a kind of a longer one. Not terribly though, but I think it's important. 10 tips to protect your Bitcoin full node. Now, agreed. This is actually back from February the 18th, but I just ran across it today. I think it's important to at least wrap your head around this whole protecting your Bitcoin full node thing. This is written by Shea Kohler, by the way, and it is from thebitcoinmanual.com. If you plan on running a node or run one and want to ensure you're plugging plugging some of the possible gaps for an attack, well, here you go. Number one, use Tor or a VPN. The Tor browser hides your IP address and browsing activity by redirecting web traffic through a series of different routers, ensuring that the location of your node is kept private. Because Tor hides browsing activity and blocks tracking, it's used by whistleblowers, journalists, and others who want to protect their privacy online. So why wouldn't you want the same level of privacy and security for your Bitcoin? If you find Tor traffic far too slow and the performance of your node is not up to scratch, you can try tunneling your traffic through a VPN and even pay for one using a lightning service like TunnelSats. And TunnelSats is what? Uh, oh, it's it. It's got a link, but it's a link to the to another article and not to the actual website called TunnelSats. Yeah, here's the thing about VPN: if you don't keep it on 24/7, like you never miss a payment, or you buy five years in advance so that you just don't have to worry about it, but even then you got to always make sure that it's turned on. And if it ever turns off, your real IP address is broadcast. And that's one of the reasons why I, I really like how my node BTC, which is the software package that I use to run my node is Tor on by default. And I've really never had an issue with its traffic. At least not that I know of. It's not like I'm sitting in front of the dashboard all day looking at it, but I've never had 
I've never seen anything about my node that is just not functioning well over Tor. So make your own choice on that. But that is important. And, I've, you know, we talk about that as like if, if, if I'm going to be labeled in the future as a money transmitter, then I want to make deadly sure that nobody knows where my node is. And in fact, what I'd really rather do is keep my node geographically separated from me somewhere else you know, may, I don't know, maybe like rent a, rent a house and then like build the node behind a piece of sheetrock to where nobody can see it. And that way, if somebody busts in, I can say, I didn't know it was there because they can't prove that it's mine. They can just prove that it's at the location where I live. Anyway, these are things to think about. Number two, use a local node. If you're just an average Bitcoiner who wants to validate the chain and broadcast via their own node and maybe run a few lightning channels, you can make do with the home internet and local network connected node. You don't need a cloud node or run your node on a third party service, which you now introduce trust into the equation. You are better off taking full control of your Bitcoin node and learning the intricacies of running a node. Additionally, you avoid having to give uh, your KYC data, such as name, email, or credit card payments, blah, 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 that could be associated with traffic coming from a particular vendor and dox your Bitcoin transactions. Three, limit your hot stack. A Bitcoin node might sound like a good place to store your Bitcoin. It's sure, it is surely a convenient place to leave, you know, have access to your funds on a dedicated Bitcoin device, but just because you can do it, it doesn't make it a really good idea. There's nothing wrong with keeping a few Satoshis in a hot wallet ready to fire off for day-to-day -day payments, but a Bitcoin node wallet should not be the place you store your entire stack. A Bitcoin node wallet is a hot wallet, which means that the keys are active. Yeah, that's not the best security practice in the world. You could create a two of three multi-sig and use one of those wallets as your Bitcoin node wallet. But this is an absolute ball ache if you're going to sign transactions. It's easier to have your node as a single sig wallet and rather move your primary Bitcoin holdings to a cold storage wallet instead. Yes, you could be using the Bitcoin or the Bitcoin in your node wallet to create lightning channels and earn fees, which is tempting, but you have to consider if the yield you can get on lightning is worth risking, which is all up to your risk tolerance and the size of your Bitcoin positions. Take it from someone who has stuffed up a few lightning channels in my time. This technology can see you burn yourself. And if you were going to get burned, ensure you limit the affected area. I'm pausing to make a statement. It's not just about how much Satoshis I can earn on routing fees when I open up lightning channels. I particularly do it to do two things. One is to support the lightning network by having open liquidity or open liquid channels that other people can route through or route to or route, well, route through or route to and channels that I can route from, okay? The second thing is to learn how this thing works. If you're, if you are, if you are so scared of losing any amount of Satoshis because you could get a forced close and somehow or another something else happens and you lose those Satoshis, then you're, you're, I call it, this is called, I call it paying my dues, but literally it's dues to a class that teaches me how to become a lightning node operator. That's a value. I think that's going to be a very valuable asset to have in your brain in the future. I'm willing to pay 
the uh, the tuition cost. You know, I, of course, I don't want to lose the Satoshis on, on my Lightning node, but I know that it's worth it because I'm always interacting with my Lightning node every single day. I've become very comfortable looking at my Lightning node, opening channels, closing channels, have channels being closed on me, understanding that I get the money that I had in that cham- those channels back. And it's not, honestly, it's not that big of a deal. Now, if my lightning node blows up, that's another problem altogether because even with the seed phrase, apparently reconstructing those channels is a bitch, which is why if you are a lightning node developer, please, 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 for the love of God, work on Bitcoin full node and lightning node and lightning channel failover. I want to run two, two units. I want them to be the clone of the exact same thing. I want them to have the exact same data on both of their hard drives. And if, if, and when one dies, the other one knows it and says, I'm here. I've got all your channels. Let's do this thing. Like nothing ever happened. Please, please, please do that. Number four, secure your home Wi-Fi. When I mean securing your Wi-Fi, I don't mean putting a password on it so that the neighbors can't stream YouTube videos while bumming off your connection. What I mean is ensuring that you have encrypted your Wi-Fi connection so that anyone who would like to join your network or tap into that traffic has a much harder time doing so should they attempt to get on your local network. If all you use the internet for is to look at Pinterest boards of holiday destinations or rage reviewing the latest season of your favorite show on IMDb, then there's not much on the line should someone hop on your network. But as you transition to using the internet of value with Bitcoin, uh, there's a lot more on the line. Updating your node to encrypt your connection scrambles the information sent through your network That makes it harder for others to see what you're doing or get your personal information. You encrypt your network by updating your router settings to either WPA3 personal or WPA2 personal. WPA3 is newer and the best encryption available for the average user, but both will work to scramble your information. Number five, use a secure password manager and 2FA. We're all lazy when it comes to passwords simply because today we have so many and it's easy to default to a password you use for something else like your social media account or your email. But apart from securing your stalking habits and love letters, there's not much of value being stored behind those passwords. With your Bitcoin node, it's different. So you should take a different approach. Either ensure you have a long ass password that you can remember or have an app generate a password for you and store it in an encrypted service. Which one you choose is up to you. Having a password string being lengthy and complex is a good start, but we don't want to make it easy for anyone to access our node and the bounty of Bitcoin that lies within its remit. Passwords do offer protection, but can be stolen through keyword loggers and cameras. You copy and pasting it and leaving it in a cloud note app or email, and that's all it takes to get into your node. After you've created your secure password and stored it in an encrypted password manager of your choice, it's time to set up 2FA. This is usually an option on modern Bitcoin node software that you can install or activate in the settings. Once you've added 2FA, you might be tempted to use email or SMS as the option, but but I encourage you to reject these options. Email and SMS are notoriously insecure, and even if they were, 
you know, not insecure. You are subject to social engineering scams that could see you handing over your password. Instead, set up a 2FA using an authenticator app of your choice, get the secure token, and connect it to the app. Once set up, test your 2FA by logging out and logging in again to ensure that it is activated. Number six, secure your private keys. The tip is universal for any amount of Bitcoin. But when you generate a set of keys for your Bitcoin node wallet, even though these are hot keys that can be accessed on the device, don't keep more digital copies of these keys. Instead, secure a copy of the keys offline by writing them down on a piece of paper that you can laminate and store safely or etch the seed phrase into a steel plate so that you have the recovery phrase should the worst happen like a fire or flood that destroy your node. If the only copy of these keys is, is accessible by logging into your node and that device doesn't survive, I'm sorry to tell you, you're not gonna make it. If you do have a copy of the seed phrase, you still have the ability to spin up a new node, reinstall all the software and recover your Bitcoin wallet to its previous glory. If your wallet balance doesn't reflect what you think it should, and you had lightning channels running at the time of the failure, you may need to activate additional steps. Once you have access to your wallet and funds, you can even try to run a channel backup to get your lightning channel balances states and then broadcast to close those channels and reacquire those funds locked in a channel. Number seven, limit your apps. Your Bitcoin node not only holds your keys to your precious sats in the attached hot wallet, but it's also holding all the data regarding transactions you've made, what public keys you've interacted with, what lightning channels you've established, and a host of other transactional data you really want to keep private. The entire point of having a standalone device is to keep your Bitcoin activities separate from your less secure online activities. Yes, activities. Where was I? Oh, by adding additional software that is not core to your Bitcoin experience, you're adding nice to have features that could not add nice to have security holes. If you're installing apps, ensure you vet them yourself if you can, or only stick to apps from your node's provider's official app store. Even then, don't trust every app and every update listed in these app stores because mistakes and bugs do creep in. If you are intent on adding additional apps, you might want to use it on a different device instead, or, or, or do research on that app and speak to other users or the team running the app before installing it. Eight, run a UPS. <clears throat> Preparing for the lights to go out is a reality Bitcoiners should prepare for, especially if you're running a Bitcoin Lightning node that is actively routing payments. You want to be online at all times to facilitate payments and net routing fees and not have to run channel backups should your node be offline for too long. If you're running a node on an old laptop with a decent battery, this point might not be of use to you since the device can remain on even when the lights go out. However, many Bitcoiners have opted to run a standalone device as a node. If you have gone for the pre-built node or DIY node, Chances are it doesn't have a battery on board. Some Raspberry Pis can accommodate a battery pack, but this is not a standard feature. If you are building a custom node, you should splurge a little extra for a battery component and a few batteries to run the device and a few spares. If you haven't got the space in your casing for a battery, ba battery pack or prefer a cleaner setup, 
opting for an uninterrupted power supply or UPS is your alternative. A UPS will ensure that your device remains on at all times. It protects against surges once the power returns, which could damage your device. Number nine, hide or obscure your node. Running a node is an advertisement to others who see it that you're pretty serious about your Bitcoin. If, or sorry, <clears throat> it could be a route to securing a sizable windfall if intercepted. So why put it in a place where wandering eyes can spot it? A laptop running on its own in the corner might not attract the most attention, but it is something that could be napped by intruders if that's part of the option of them breaking in your house. While custom branded Bitcoin nodes are sure to attract attention if left out in the open. Your node should be connected to the internet via an ethernet port, which can limit where you position it in your home. So plan accordingly when deciding where to place the internet connections or routing cables to a place where you can hide your node from general traffic in your home. Depending on how much Bitcoin you leave on your node, you might want to either reduce this amount, <clears throat> that amount based on how easy it is to access or get creative in the way you hide and secure your node by building custom housing, you know, things like that. Perhaps inside of a desk or a cabinet that isn't easy to spot. All right, pausing to say, I don't keep any Bitcoin on my node. I do not use my node's hot wallet uh, on the Bitcoin side for anything. I keep all my shit in cold storage. The only real active Bitcoin that I've got is essentially on my lightning nodes or on my lightning node in channels, or I've got some in cash app that I kind of keep there just in case. I think I've got some in some Satoshis on Wallet of Satoshi. Honestly, that's it. All my shit's in cold storage. I mean, everything else is just me playing around with. I'm real serious when it comes to cold storage. So that's, that's what I do. I never, ever, ever keep any Bitcoin on my Bitcoin full node. I just use it to validate transactions when and if I make them. Number 10 and finally, shut up about your node. If you're going to the trouble of storing your node in a safe place, limiting access to it, it doesn't really help if you're telling people that you're running a node or making it known to the broader public by posting about it on your social media accounts or, <clears throat> or through a podcast. Uh, <clears throat> not only are you advertising what to look for should someone gain access to your house, but you're leaving yourself open to being targeted by those who understand that it could be worth nabbing your node along with any cold storage devices that you might have at your home. When you take custody of your Bitcoin, you can be your own worst enemy. So be sure you're not doing yourself a disservice by being the primary security leak. Please do not make yourself a target a $5 or for a $5 wrench attack by criminals, be they ones wearing balaclavas or government badges. I used to know what balaclavas was, but I can't remember. Somebody boost me and let me know what the hell that is. Oh, protect your ability not to trust, but verify. This isn't really a tip, but this is part of the post, so I'll read it. Running a Bitcoin node is not only a way for you to be fully self-sovereign in your use of the Bitcoin network, but it's also a great way to support the decentralization and security of the network. It also forces you to deepen your understanding of the Bitcoin world and the various tools that you can use in association with your node. While there are potential risks and costs to consider, they should be weighed against the potential benefits of running a Bitcoin node, such as increased security, privacy, and accessibility. With the right setup and knowledge, running a Bitcoin node can be a rewarding experience. So how do you use your node? 
Are you already set up with your Bitcoin full node or a prune node? What implementation are you using? Do you have any security tips that you think should be added to this list? Let us know in the comment section below and help Bitcoiners improve their node OPSEC. And while you might not go to thebitcoinmanual.com and grab this article and do that, you can always do that shit by, you can either boostagram me and uh, you know I'll read it on the air next show or the next couple of shows if you've got a tip or send it through Noster. Or, or if you're still on Twitter, just shoot it out there. Say, hey, here's a, here's a tip on, on you know, your, running your Bitcoin node. You just blast it out there and I'm sure everything will be just fine. And maybe I should stop talking about my node. Who knows? But we've got bigger fish to fry. Shift Crypto announces a partnership with Pocket Bitcoin, <laughs> allowing DCA within the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. Oh, this is kind of cool. BTC Casey, Bitcoin Magazine. Swiss-based hardware wallet manufacturer Shift Crypto has announced a long-term partnership with Swiss Bitcoin broker Pocket Bitcoin. The collaboration aims to provide an easy and secure way to purchase and store self-custodial Bitcoin. Pocket Bitcoin already offers a DCA or dollar cost averaging service and the partnership with Shift Crypto will make it even simpler and more secure according to a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine. The Bitbox O2 hardware wallet allows users to safely store and transact Bitcoin with ease. Its code is open source, including the companion Bitbox app, which has now integrated the Pocket Bitcoin's widget to allow investors to buy Bitcoin directly to their hardware wallet. Quote, at Pocket Bitcoin, our goal is to make buying Bitcoin as easy as making a bank transfer, said David Kinzik. CEO and, and co-founder of Pocket Bitcoin, quote, we have created a way for customers to buy Bitcoin without having to open up an account or identify themselves. <clears throat> Our customers receive their Bitcoin directly into their wallets. For this, there is no better partner than Shift Crypto. And we're excited to work with them to make buying and storing Bitcoin even easier, end quote. Through the new widget, Bitbox's, <clears throat> Bitbox's users can now easily set up a DCA without going through extensive KYC processes. There is no verification required for orders up to 950 euros per day. In addition, users can share their XPUB, which includes all Bitcoin addresses from their account. This feature allows for the Bitcoin to be paid out to new unused Bitcoin addresses, which increase privacy when using Bitcoin. Yes, please. Ladies and gentlemen, do not reuse addresses if at all possible. Douglas Backham, CEO and co-founder of Shift Crypto said his company believes everyone deserves financial sovereignty. In our vision, that starts with the optimal security provided by a hardware wallet. Together with Pocket Bitcoin, this continues by enabling individuals to acquire Bitcoin directly in the Bitbox app while staying in full control at all times. We are excited to partner with Pocket Bitcoin, a company that matches our values of self-custody and financial freedom. The partnership offers a cheaper service for European customers with the option to buy Bitcoin via bank transfers at a 1.5% fee. To celebrate their partnership, the two companies are offering a bonus of 10,000 Satoshis on all first-time transactions via the new Bitbox app integration until March 15th, 2023. So yet another group of people teaming up, you know, and the bear market, you know, here, here's what's so funny about the bear market. Bear markets are for building, right? What if you've already built your stuff? 
okay, well, the bear markets are for pulling them back apart and, you know, making sure that everything's ship shape and all that. Well, what if you've got a really good product or a really good service already and you kind of don't want to launch anything else? You kind of really need to wrap your mind around your primary service or your primary product. But you, so you, now you got time on your hands. What do you do? You build your network. You build your personal network. You reach out to people. You make phone calls. We used to call each other all the time. We hardly ever call anybody anymore. I got to call. I'm going to call a, a dude later on today that I've never met. This is a complete Bitcoiner though. That's why I know I, I don't give a shit. I'm just, I'm definitely going to call. See what the hell shakes out of that. Is it? I'm not talking about you know me you know hunting for advertising, but he's got this game that teaches you know children essentially how to Bitcoin and it's, it's STEM approved. So that means that there was quite a bit of work that he took, not only building the game, but sending it to all the people over at, you know, the STEM or whoever stamps that STEM seal of approval on it. And that's honestly, that's quite a bit of work, ladies and gentlemen. So this guy, I told it totally worth my time to give this dude a call and I'm going to build my network. I'm trying to build my network. So if for whatever reason, you're out there, you've got a service, a product, and it's where you want it. And you're on maintenance mode and everybody's telling you, well, this is when we build, then build your network, reach out to other people, reach out to me. I don't know. I mean, I, I got, I got some time on my hands. If you got something to say, maybe we'll do a podcast. I don't know, but reach out to me. I'll reach out to y'all. Y'all reach out to each other. And maybe, just maybe, we won't end up like the Mt. Gox creditors who have until Friday to file their repayment claims. This is Tim Hockey, Decrypt.co. Nabuyaki Kobayashi, a rehabilitation trustee for collapsed Japanese Bitcoin exchange, Mt. Gox, told former customers that they have until Friday, 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 to register their claims for repayment under the rehab plan, which he first announced back in last September. The original deadline of January 10th was extended by two months in January. Creditors have the option to receive repayment as a lump sum, as a cryptocurrency repayment, a bank remittance, or a remittance through a money transfer service. Back in October of 2021, creditors approved the rehabilitation proposal, which promised to remunerate about 90% of the assets owed to affected customers. At its height, Mt. Gox was a biggest exchange, as we know. In early to, to the 2014, the exchange filed for bankruptcy after suffering a loss of 850,000 Bitcoin, 750,000 of those belonging to customers, and 100,000 belonging to the exchange itself. That altogether amounted to 480 million at the time. Today, it's 19 billion with a B dollars. A statement after the loss said there was a high possibility the money was stolen by hackers. CEO Mark Carpellis attributed the loss to weaknesses in the company's IT security. According to Mt. Gox Legal, a cooperative created for former customers, trustee Kobayashi held the remaining 165 BTC, which is worth 3.6 billion today in a cold wallet as of December 27th, 2017. The total number of approved claims by creditors had already hit 799,722.6 BTC at that point, or about $17.6 billion, uh, billion at today's price. 
Kobayashi sold about 35,000 BTC and 34,000 Bitcoin cash between December of 2017 and February 2018. And at the exchange's height, it held up to 900,000 BTC in its accounts. So if you are a Mt. Gox creditor and you want your money back and you haven't filed to get that money back, you've got till Friday, dude. Friday, 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 don't be late. And bringing up the rear, Jack Dorsey's block announces mining development kit for novel Bitcoin mining use cases. Bitcoin Magazine, BTC Casey. Jack Dorsey's block has posted a new blog that details the MDK, the mining development kit, a new project that would seemingly replicate the lightning development kit and the Bitcoin development kit projects providing developers access to Bitcoin mining projects focused on integrating Bitcoin mining into various novel use cases. Please put them in my water heater. The blog also describes how the company has started developing their own Bitcoin mining semiconductor chips, saying that, quote, these purpose-built application-specific integrated circuits, or ASICs, are the leading way Bitcoin is mined today and will serve as the foundation for a full suite of Bitcoin mining products intended to increase the pace of innovation in Bitcoin mining, end quote. Block then says, it is considering building an MDK and they are seeking further feedback from the community. The MDK, the mining development kit, as Block currently envisions it, would have four components. Number one, a powerful, reliable, industrial-grade Bitcoin mining hash board. Two, a custom controller board designed to work with the hash board. Three, open source firmware, a software API, and a web front end that would allow developers to modify the key performance parameters of the hash board. And four, an extensive reference material set and support of documentation, sorry, and support documentation to facilitate easy customization of the hash board. Quote, the intention behind the MDK is to provide developers with a suite of tools to help unlock creativity and innovation in Bitcoin mining hardware. With the MDK, we see a significant opportunity to increase the accessibility and openness of Bitcoin mining hardware in order to accelerate innovation in the field, end quote. The post ends with a promise of future updates in the coming weeks and months and a call to action for feedback that can be directed to, and here's the email address if you guys want to weigh in, mining at block.xyz. That's mining at block.xyz. So, XYZ. so drop them an email, let, let, let them know what you think. I'm, I'm not much of a miner, but I think this actually sounds kind of cool because think about these three kits working together. MDK, not here yet. They're working on it. Lightning development is here and the Bitcoin development kit uh, is here. So, you know, Blocks already released Lightning development kit or the LDK and the Bitcoin development kit and, or the BDK. And now they want a mining development kit. Think about those three kits working together. Almost like, I don't know, uh, like uh, I could kind of see this all folded together in one great big application 
you know, graphic user interface like programmers use all the time that's got all the libraries they need and all the kind of stuff. Think about like these, all these different kits coming together and are accessible by each other for what, and for whatever reason they might need to be accessible by each other. And they all work in concert. Think about all that shit you could develop. See, <clears throat> again, bear markets are for building. Um, it, it's clear that Jack is not satisfied with his products and services uh, on the menu as such. So he's adding to it. He's one of the guys that is, screw it. I'm going to build a new product or service. And But I reiterate, if you're not there, if you're not Jack, if you're not somebody who just wants to launch yet one more thing, then networking is the way to go. That's where you can put your time. Make sure that all your shit's sewn up and nothing's leaky or nothing's crappy or you've got really terrible customer service. All that comes first. But if you are literally looking at your operation and saying, this is one hell of a well-oiled machine, brother, then, then, then spend those extra minutes of the day reaching out to other Bitcoiners, other Bitcoin companies, and just examine, just ask the question, is there something that we might be able to do together? I mean, can we brainstorm here? Because that costs virtually nothing except your time, which of course is the most valuable commodity on earth. But I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it to reach out and start, you know, just say, hey, can I give you a call sometime? Yeah, reach out over an Oster on a DM. That's, that's how this guy that I'm going to call out of, here in about an hour, that's how he reached out. He said, hey, can we just kind of chat one of these days? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm in Pacific Standard Time, soon to be Pacific Daylight Time, and I'm not looking forward to it. But yeah, sure. And he get, you know, get his phone number. I'm, he got his phone number in my phone now. Now I'm going to call him. And if, if I don't know what we're going to talk about, I want to learn more about the game that he built for sure. But what else can we talk about? What will, I mean, will a relationship form out of that? And if it does, what can drop out of that relationship? Because every relationship always produces babies, whether it's between a man and a woman and a marriage and, or even out of marriage. I mean, you know, like a male and a female get together and hormones are raging. Babies are probably going to happen. But it doesn't always have to be this physiological thing, right? It can just be this communication, these connections that we have with each other, whether male to male, male to female, female to male, you know, female to female. It doesn't really matter. At that point, this is beyond the physiology. This is the birthing of ideas. This is the birthing of what comes next. This is the birthing of how the hell do we tell all these idiots to go pound sand and do it in a way that we're not thrown in prison? This is all valid, right? So I'll leave it there. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Wednesday joke day. Dad says jokes. My wife rearranged the labels of my spice rack. I haven't confronted her yet, but the time is coming. Yeah, it's actually pronounced cumin, but, you know, I'll let it go because it's kind of funny. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to reiterate again, and I know I'm beating a dead horse. If you got jack shit to do, build a network. If you're on Noster, DM somebody and say, hey, I'm a Bitcoin, you're Bitcoiner, you're, you seem like you're a Bitcoiner. 
I, you know, and I was kind of interested in this thing. You said, Hey, you want to talk? It's not, this isn't like being gay, right? This isn't being, you know, like this is the way people used to build businesses in the past, except that they did it face to face. They were either at a nightclub or they were, you know, I don't know, somewhere else. And, and people didn't have their heads buried in their damn phones. They did have them buried in newspapers. So don't think that it was all that different just because instead of a flash, you know, a black, nice screen or in a heavy, you know, a heavy thing that, uh, hold on. Okay. Um, I just got a, a text that I didn't, didn't uh, realize it, it just because it's not heavy and, you know, black glass and all that doesn't mean that they weren't doing that, but they were more apt to be able to, um, Oh God, what am I trying to say? To talk with each other, to meet each other, to, you know, explore ideas with each other. And I don't think this bear market is going to go away anytime soon. We've got like, like quite a few days, you know, a few hundred days out to the next halving. And there's no guarantee that it cycles the way that it's been cycling over the last halvings. Okay. There's no guarantee that that happens. Uh, so how do you help it along? Form, form the relationships reach out to each other and get to know each other. And God only knows what could drop out of it. In fact, something could drop out of it that completely changes the cycle nature of Bitcoin itself. Something so grand, so stunning, so beautiful that everybody on the face of the planet cannot help but to see it and go, oh God, and that maybe it turns out to be their Bitcoin moment. But we won't know if you don't form those networks. So while Bitcoin bear markets are for building, they're not just for building Bitcoin. They're not just for building code. They're not just for building businesses. They're for building with each other. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.